Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Amy, Coach Amy. We have a guest on our show today, Randy Simpkins. We call him Coach Simpkins. I've been calling him Coach as if he's one of my coaches. I'm sure you don't mind because everybody calls you Coach, right? Not at all. <laughs> and we're excited to have him here. He is a coach for Dixie State University. He's been a coach for many different places, collegiate athlete himself. He's played basketball. He's been fast pitch pitcher for baseball. Um, he's been coach of the year in a number of things. His teams have done some amazing things and, and been awarded a lot, of, uh, a lot of great, I guess, accolades, things that, that I think are very impressive. And I'm excited for all of us, not just the athletes, but I'm excited for the coaches and the parents of athletes to listen to what Coach Simkins shares with us today. He doesn't really know what I'm going to ask him, so we're just going to kind of, <laughs> it's always a surprise, right? It's all good. So I'm excited to have him jump in and tell us a few things about him and then and fill in some details of the things I was just talking about. I know um, one of his former athletes and she's amazing and the things she says about this coach are just nonstop. He's just he does this and this and he's somebody who inspired her. So I'm going to just kind of throw around some questions and you fill us in on some of your background with um, basketball and and baseball. And now your focus is softball, but you've also taught in the high school and college realm. So tell us a little bit about you. Uh, born and raised in Panaka, Nevada, really small town, about 150 miles north of Las Vegas, 39 people in my graduating class. I was fortunate enough to play college basketball at Southern Utah University, got a uh, bachelor's degree and a master's degree at Southern Utah. Um, I started teaching at Delphi, um, Central Utah, small school. I taught basketball, right? I coached basketball, taught math. Um, I coached cross country. I coached fast bit softball there. So a little bit of everything. You know, when I did my student teaching, my my mentor told me if they ask you to do something, um, your first year teaching, you do it. So the first day I taught, at the end of the first day, my principal called me in and asked me to coach cross country, which I knew nothing about, nothing. And I said, yes, I will. <laughs> so I found me some good assistant coaches. I had some great athletes, and we did really well. So, uh, but from Delta, I um, moved to Canyon View High School in Cedar City. Uh, they started a new school there. One of my assistant basketball coaches in college asked me to help him coach down there, Steve Hodson. He was one of my mentors, learned a lot from Coach Hodson. I played for him when he was an assistant coach, and then I was able to coach with him for three years. So taught at Canyon View for six years, and then the job opened up at Dixie State um, to be an as, as a assistant athletic director and head softball coach. So I did that for 2003 and 2004. But it wasn't quite as, the, the job description wasn't kind of what we wanted. Um, I never saw my family. Um, uh, between the corporate sponsorships and the game management and the coaching softball, I just didn't have the time to spend with my family that I wanted to. So I went back to teach in high school at, at Dixie High. Um, and I taught there for 13 years. Um, and the last nine of it, I was able, I was fortunate enough to be able to take the job back at, at uh, Dixie State as head softball coach. It was a part-time job, um, but I was still coach, teaching full-time at Dixie. So kind of a here, there, and everything, everywhere. But three years ago, they made me, uh, made my position full-time here. So uh, at Dixie State. So I'm full-time head coach since July of 2017. And I tell everybody I have the best job ever. 
Um, I'm sitting in my office right now. I have two windows. One looks over the batting cage and one looks over the field. So I have the best job ever. Uh, we have our field right on campus and obviously we've been very successful here. So. Well, tell us about your success there, because uh, it wasn't always, I'm sure, successful. So tell me how that, how that grew to be such a su successful program. Uh, you know what, Dixie State's been really good. Um, since, they, uh, since they went, since they were a junior college late, uh, late 90s, when one of my assistant coaches, Justin Buchanan, started, uh, they've never had a losing record. Uh, they, they had kind of struggled up and down before that. But when Justin came and they've had some good coaches before me, they've been really good. And then we went through the transition. I coached in 2003 and 2004 here when they were in junior college. And then when I came back in July of 2009, they were in Division II. And now we're going Division One. Well, we went Division One back in July. So uh, I'm going to be a coach that's coached at the same school at three different levels, you know, junior college, division two and division one. So kind of an interesting, interesting fun fact right there. But uh, since we started, since I started here in July of 2009, uh, we've never missed the postseason. Um, we've been in the NC2A regionals every year since 2009. We're the only team in the Western United States to do that as a division two school. Um, in the year before I started, they went to the College World Series. So they've had three trips to the College World Series. I coached two of them. Um, we've had, I think, four or five conference championships, um, been in Super Regionals five times. Um, so we've been very, very successful. Um, the thing that I'm probably most proud of is we're one player short of a 100% graduation rate. What? Um, That's me. Yeah. We, yeah, we've of uh, junior college players that have stayed here for two years, and four-year players that have stayed here for four years. Mm -hmm. um, we are one player short of a hundred percent graduation rate, um, so we're, we're really really proud of that. Um, and we have uh, all five of our seniors last year graduated. Uh, one of them is taking the extra year and coming back to play another year and, and chasing a, a different major. Um, but yeah, everybody graduates from our program. So that's, that's a huge thing uh, because very few of us uh, get paid to play this sport. You, you know that. Um, yeah. So I tell them you're a student first and an athlete second. I love that. And I love that you're, you're, you're one of your greatest prides, I guess the things that you're most proud of is that your students are graduating, that it's not just about the championships and all the Pac West Conference and all those things that you've done in the past. That's beautiful. That's amazing. And that you have broken records in that way. But the thing that is valuable to you is a graduation rate for your athletes because they do go on to live different lives than sports athletic lives, right? Oh yeah. And, and the, the some of the some of the best things for me is when I catch up with former athletes and hear what they're doing personally, you know, with families and with their jobs. And, and, you know, I, I had two of my former athletes, a pitcher and catcher who actually played together and they did a 28 mile hike in 12 hours the other day. Um, and they posted it on social media and I said, you know, and they were amazing athletes. Well, one of them was an all American. The other was an all West region kid. So they were both really, really successful on the field. And I saw them do that. And I'm like, you guys are amazing. You know, you guys are rock stars. So. Yeah. Well, and there's a reason for that. So tell us a little bit about, I know I talked to one of your athletes and, and she was saying that there's some traditions that you guys have. Tell us about some of your preseason tra traditions. I know you said when we last talked that you were going to do something with your team and I didn't quite catch yeah, what it was. So tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah, we're, we're in the middle of it right now. I think we're about uh, five or six days into it. What we do is, and we, we do it a little bit different, but the, but the center of this activity is John Wooden's Pyramid of Success. Um, growing up, I was a basketball fan. Um, I was a big fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, obviously, Lou Alcindor, who played at UCLA. So I, I read a lot of stuff with John Wooden. He was obviously very successful. I had the opportunity to, to listen to him speak at a basketball coach's clinic. Um, and I think he was 90 or 91 years old, and he spoke for about two hours, never had notes, but just an amazing person. And there was not one person in that room. We had about 200 coaches in that room. There's not one person in that room that was, you know, not paying attention. Everybody was locked in on Coach Wooden. So Coach Wooden's been, a, you know, the stuff that he tries to teach, I try to impart that with our athletes as well. So what we do is we do core values. And I asked the girls to, to tell me what they think that, they, that our team's core values should be. And so they give, a, give me four or five suggestions. And then we give them one of those words to present to the team. Most all of the time, that encompasses all of Coach Wooden's words on his pyramid. So we give them a word to present to the team. And then they have to come, they, they come to the team and they tell us, okay, this is my word. This is kind of the definition of this word. This is how it applies to our team. This is how it's going to make our team better. You know, then they have to also teach us about their family. Um, they all show pictures of their family and tell us a little bit about their family because I think it's a lot easier and, and you get a lot more vested in the team mm -hmm. if, the, if your teammates know from whence you came. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is why I am the way I am. You know, this is, you know, my parents are together. My parents are divorced. I have 10 brothers and sisters. I'm an only child, whatever. They, they need to understand that, you know, and, and it's, it's eye-opening for us to, to kind of get a peek into their personal lives. But uh, yeah, we're, I think we've had five or six of our girls present so far. Um, and it's amazing. And, and oh, and the, then the last thing they have to do is they have to do some sort of a team activity, a movement team activity that relates to their word. You know, and we did one a few years ago, a girl named Rochelle Jenkins, that's a, a, one of the best friends of Aaron McMullen, the girl that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and Rochelle was probably the, one of the reasons that, that uh, Aaron came to play for us. But I had Rochelle do one on cooperation and she handed the team a jar, a little uh, clear glass jar like you put jam in mm -hmm. and it had kind of a whitish yellow liquid in it. And she says, I need everybody to shake this. And she told them a number of times, like 40 times or whatever, while she read her definition or she read a story on cooperation. So everybody had this thing and they had to shake it a certain number of times. And when it got to the end, mm -hmm. um, she's, she's going to tell us how that relates. Well, it looked like you know, of water. When it got done, when everybody got done shaking it, it turned into honey butter. And she busted out a loaf of bread with the honey butter that we had shook up and it made it hard, busted out a knife and we all ate bread and honey butter. But it was her thing of cooperation. And she goes, everybody did almost no effort at all, but look what we made. You know, so she talked about cooperation. And so that's one of the fun activities that we do in the fall. Try to do maybe it, it's not really non-softball, but it, it doesn't have, you, you don't have to be the best softball player to be amazing at this type of an activity, you know, and, it, and like I say, it gets us to know the kids on a personal level a little bit better. Well, and I love that you bring in the family at, uh, part of it perspective, because I think there's a lot of things that we don't understand about each other. And when it comes to team dynamics and team unity, the understanding of where they come from is something that I, I haven't actually heard of 
of teams doing this. And I think it's a beautiful idea of, hey, let's actually get to know each other on a, on a personal basis before we're just out on the court now on the field trying to show off our skills and our talents. Yeah. Cool. We're, I'm sure there's a lot of compassion there. Yeah, yeah. and we, we assigned the other thing, and, and I've never done this. I got this from Michaels and our academic advisor, mm-hmm. um, is we assigned each one of our players a teammate who is their academic mentor. And it's kind of working both ways. Our younger kids are helping our older kids and our older kids are helping our younger kids. Um, and most of them don't play the same position there. I didn't pair up two pitchers together or two, you know, very few infielders are paired together. So they, they, they learn from a different positions uh, um, perspective. And they also are in different majors. You know, some of them are in the same major, some of them are in different majors. So, you know, they're like, okay, well, this works in my major, but it might not work in your major. But what I did that for is the girls will be a lot quicker to ask a teammate a question of what they need to do than they will me or my assistant coach or one of our academic advisors on campus. They're they're not going to, even though they need to go talk to them or get that help, they're going to ask a teammate first. Well, now you have a specific assigned teammate, ask them first, you know, and we've, we've created that relationship. And on Wednesday, we were going to do it last night. We ran out of time last night, but on Wednesday, they're going to introduce their academic partner to the team. They're going to tell them about their, their, their teammate. This is what her major is. This is why she chose this major. This is what she wants to do after whatever. So just kind of a fun activity just to kind of get to know them. Well, and these activities aren't just fun. They have, very, they have a foundational purpose, which is to unite the team and to help them understand, to help them to, you, you know, help each other, boost each other, lift each other. I think this is amazing. For, I hope coaches who are listening, uh, athletic directors who are listening, the fact that Mike Olson, the assistant athletic director, was able to give you that suggestion. I love that you give credit where credit's due, as well as helping the girls give credit where credit's due. That this yeah. is something that you're passing on these, these, um, these lessons of life and how it always feeds back to you when you can find value in other people and provide value for other people. Right. And, and this is going to be tough this year. Um, I told them, you know, we've been wildly successful at the Division Two level. We've won a lot of games. You know, uh, our winning percentage is probably the highest on campus and, and some of the highest in the West. But I told them we're going to go Division One, so we don't get to see the number three pitcher from the bottom team in our conference anymore. We're going to see everybody's number one or number two, and the talent level that we're going to see is going to be really, really good. So I says, we're going to struggle. There's going to be times where we're going to go some, through some rough patches, whether it's losing a game or, you know, you might not hit 400 this year. You might only hit 300 or whatever. There's going to be some times that are going to be really tough. So we need to be pretty tough mentally before we hit the season to kind of say, okay, what's our failure recovery system? Another give credit where credit's due is Sue Anquist. Sue is a uh, softball coach at UCLA um, for a number of years, and she quotes Coach Wooden all the time as well. Um, but, she, but she talked about, and I had the opportunity to speak with her at a coach's clinic four or five years in a row, and one of the things that she threw out one year is, what's your failure recovery system? You know, what is the, what is the failure recovery system that gets you through a tough time? And we talk about what is it academically? What is it offensively as a hitter? What is it defensively as a position player? You know, what is it mentally? What is it with your roommates when you and your roommates are struggling? How do you get through this? You know, so we talk about, and and we, we make our hitters show us what their failure recovery system is. How do you step out of the box? How do you take a deep breath? 
You know, how, how do you, you know, the Brian Kane thing uh, where you, you watch a lot of college baseball players that have, that have done any Mendel training with Brian Kane or Zach Sorensen or any of these guys where they hold the bat up and they go, you know, they're focusing on one spot on the bat, you know, and, and deep, deep breath, you know, it, it gets you back to where you need to be, you know, it eliminates that bad swing or that bad choice of I swung at a pitch that was way out of the zone. Now I got to get my head right, you know, and I've got less than 10 seconds to get back in the box to, to do that. You know, Zach Sorensen works with our team a little bit and he taught, he called it a circle of focus. Mm -hmm. um, how you need to be locked in for how long in a game? Well, he said in a major league baseball game, it's about nine minutes that you need to be a hundred percent locked in on the action that's going on on the field. Mm -hmm. You know, well, if it's nine minutes in a baseball game, that's probably going to be about seven minutes in a softball game. Well, I need your complete and total undivided attention for seven minutes out of that two hour, two and a half hour game. Mm -hmm. And the girls are like, well, I can do that. Yeah, because you're going to have downtime between pitches and between innings that you don't need to be 100% locked in on what's going on on the field because it's between pitches and there's not going to be. But the amount of time that you, from that time that pitcher starts that windup and throws and the play ends, you add all that up, it's, it's a seven or eight minutes for an entire game. So being able to just break that down into, okay, I, I can work one pitch at a time. You know, the Brian Kane, the one pitch warrior. You know, but that failure recovery system is a big thing for our girls. Um, and we, we have to continually work on that because sometimes, you know, if they if things go bad, they just want to hop right back in there and, and do it harder and faster and stronger. You know, it's like, well, let's back up a little bit and see what we really need to do. I think it's super interesting that you said when something goes wrong, you get a little bit more forceful about it and you get a little more desperate about it. And this is going to work and you get a little more fighting action and, and resistance. And you just want to react to everything when they're like, wait a second, it didn't work. Let's not go back and do the same thing over in, in a more passionate way. Let's take a break for a second. So I think it's interesting. I think for every sport, when something doesn't work, you want to put in twice as many hours, but not twice as much effective hours, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't usually take twice as much. It usually takes just a little tweak, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, work work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and it, sometimes. <laughs> well, sometimes, right? But a lot of times it does work. Like you said, take a second, focus on a focus spot, take a breath, let your brain just kind of clear the last the last moment and get going. These are all so many great tools. And those of you listening, this can happen for every area of your life, not just athletics. For you parents trying to figure out how to help. You, did, you have athletes that were your own kids, right? That, do I remember that? Do you have kids mm -hmm. that were athletes, I guess? Yep. So did you coach yep. them? Uh, my daughter. My daughter actually played here for one year. Um, she went to Dixie High, came here and played for one year for us, um, and then went on an LDS mission. Um, and then came back and is, is finishing up school here. She's not playing for us anymore, but yeah, so it was, it was different. You know, you coach your own kid, um, you know, you have to, is there a way to have that professional distance when you go home at night and she's still there and dad's, you know, mad about practice or happy about practice or whatever. So um, the great thing about it is I have a fantastic assistant coach, Dean Winningham, and he works with my infielders and she played first base for us. So, Dean got to deal with her most of the time, you know, um, I'd, I'd help her a little bit with hitting and, and we'd spend some extra time, but Dean got to do most all of the coaching of her, the nuts and bolts coaching in the middle of the drill. So she didn't have to see me all the time at practice and then all the time at home. So it, it worked out great and we're best friends now. So I have one question just to ask you as far as a parent 
um, perspective in sports. Now you get both sides because you've been the, the parent coach, the coach parent kind of both sides. Do you have any suggestions for parents who struggle with what they can do for their athletes when their athletes are struggling? Because I'm sure your daughter struggled at times and you wanted to just be the parent for her, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've, and I've heard a lot of really good coaches post this or say this or whatever, especially growing up young kids. And, and this, this works for college athletes as well. The best thing I've ever heard a parent tell a kid is I enjoy watching you play. Um, because they have coaches that will tell them the nuts and the bolts and the mechanics of, of how to do, whether it's gymnastics or basketball or baseball or softball or whatever. They, they've got coaches for that. After the game, when you walk into the car, just tell them how much you enjoy being there and watching them fail, succeed, whatever. That's what they want. It's all about the time that you spend with them. I was fortunate enough to have a mother who missed one high school game when I played for four years. You know, she had a job that was flexible enough that she was able to be to my games. And, you know, I love that because she supported me and she still comes to a ton of our ton of our games. She goes to regionals with us. She went to the College World Series with us, the whole nine yards. So but but that's what I think the kids want is they, they want their parents to know or they want the parents to just tell them how much they enjoy being around the kid. Um, I think a lot of kids get burnt out because it's it's tough and a lot of parents coach their kids. It, it happens all the time. So you have to be able to try to separate the, the parent and the coach at times, you know, and if you were like me, if you have an assistant coach that coaches the kid, you know, when I coached at Dixie High, um, I coached a young lady named Kim Demas. Well, my assistant coach was Dave Demas. I was the pitching coach and she was a pitcher. So I got to coach her. And I think her and her dad's relationship was better because of that. Mm. You know, that, that dad wasn't coaching her all the time at practice. I was coaching her. And I think her and dad got along better because of that. So, but it's, it's hard. It really is. It, it, it takes a lot of work with the, with the player and the parent to make that, that relationship work if the, play, if the parents are coaching the players. Well, I think that for you parents listening, one of the things just it's just like Coach Simkin says is maybe just put a little post-it note in your car that when you want to say something else, you just say, I enjoy watching you play. Mm -hmm. I, like, period. I enjoyed, I enjoy, I'm going to continue to enjoy watching you play. I think that is a, like a gold sentence that we all need to be posting everywhere. Right? And that's, that's true. That's, it's, it's worked for me, for sure. <laughs> And we want to say so much more, but it really doesn't take much for an athlete. They don't need much, right? They, they don't. Yeah. And, and you figure it out, especially with girls, you, you, you start to read them like a book. You, you know, when you can, when you can talk and when you can't, um, my assistant coach, Dean, he, we had a girl named Jess Gonzalez um, and very successful for us. Great catcher was an all West region kid, but he knew when she walked in the gate, is this a, I'm going to talk to you day, or I'm not going to talk to you very much day, you know, or I, I know what buttons I need to push to get what I need to get out of you today, you know? Um, and, and that's something that we try to teach our athletes. Once you come in the gate, leave the world's problems behind. This should be the best two and a half hours of your day or the two hours of your day or whatever. And it's hard. It's hard to leave that stuff in the parking lot. You know, uh, but once the, the kids that are able to do that are able to, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's compartmentalize or whatever, but to be able to say, okay, I'm going to focus on this right now. And when it's done, then I'll go ahead and study for that chemistry exam or, or deal with, you know, the issues that I might be having with my boyfriend or my parents or whatever, or my roommates. Mm. 
Okay, we're going to shift. I want to shift just for a second because we focused a little bit on how you build up preseason for your team. We focused on what you can do as a parent for your athlete. I want to see where, as a coach, where is your mind as far as going from a D2 to a D1? What is your game plan as a head coach for your team, for your assistant coaches? So you, you were forewarning you were getting your, your team ready. What are you doing as a coach? Uh, we, when I first heard that we were going Division One, um, I told everybody in our program, we all have to get better. I have to get better as a coach. Our coaching staff has to get better. The players that we recruit have to be more talented. Um, we have to spend more time. We got to work harder in the weight room. Um, every, you know, everything needs to get better. <clears throat> um, we've had a little bit of transition in our coaching staff this year. Um, a couple of the coaches that have been with us for a while are no longer with us. Um, we were able to hire uh, a young lady who actually joined us at the end of this week named Savannah Jaquish, and Savannah was an All-American at LSU for four years. Played with the national team for a while and just finished up yesterday with um, the pro league in softball that finished up called Athletes Unlimited. Um, and she was one of the top, I think she was second in the league in hitting and, and led the league in home runs. So, and so she's going to be a member of our coaching staff. So our coaching staff has gotten better. Um, we've spent a lot of time over the pandemic with uh, virtual coaches clinics, um, trying to say, okay, how do we teach hitting better? How do we teach pitching better? How do we teach our athletes to be in better shape? How do we teach them to be tougher mentally? You know, so uh, as a coaching staff, we feel like, hey, every day we need to get 1% better. That was a, that was a Coach Hodson thing. You know, the, the coach that I played for and coached with is, hey, every day we need to get 1% better. Um, and so what do we need to do to be 1% better today than we were yesterday? Um, and one of the, what we, we did a team hike the other day and, and I asked, um, one of our players, I said, so this was a Saturday morning hike. I said, so Emma, what are you going to do on Monday, um, to be better than you were on Friday? Um, and you know what? She knocked it out of the park. She was really good. So that's, that's what we needed to do. So. I think that's one of the things I, there's a quote that I love, um, that just says that the hardest part about change is doing something different than what you did yesterday. And essentially the same idea, what are we going to do tomorrow? And what are we going to do today that's 1% better than yesterday, Coach Hoskins? I think that's, that was your coach you said when you were an athlete, right? And I love that you still continue to use the skills as a former athlete with your athletes today and this, the lessons that you learn from your coaches to be able to help them today. I love that idea, 1%. We can do 1%. Seven minutes. Yeah. You can do seven minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Nine yeah. minutes as a baseball player, we can focus – for nine minutes on something that really matters and leave the rest behind. We yeah. can all that. It's not yeah. a big thing. We're not asking big things from anybody, right? Yeah. The 1%, uh, Zach Sorensen, one of the mental coaches that helps us a little bit. Um, I, I think it was 14, 1454, 1424. It's basically 14 minutes and 54 seconds that is 1% of one day. Um, that, that's the 1% of the amount of time for that day. So we're like, okay, you want to get 1% better? What are you going to spend your 14 minutes on today? You know, and there's been times in practice, and a lot of times we'll ask them to do it either before or after practice, kind of on their own time. But there's been times in practice that we actually schedule that on practice. Say, okay, you have 14 and a half minutes right now to go do whatever you need to do to make yourself better. And so we, when we do that, we say, okay, what do you need? Do you, do you need cage? Do you need a tee? Do you need a partner to throw with? Do you need a coach to hit your ground balls? What, you know, who are you going to work with? Where are you going to do it? And what equipment do you need? You know, so if we give you that 14 minutes to get 1% better, how, how are we going to do that? So it works. Um, 
it's working. It's been working and it's going to continue to work. That's a great, great plan. Small and, small and simple steps, right? You bet. You and bet. you stay consistent and you do it. You try to, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for all of that information. Do you have anything else you want to leave with coaches, parents, or athletes that might help them in these days? One other thought I had is the athletes who are struggling to know if it's worth working out still, if it's worth putting in the effort still, because they don't know if they're going to get those scholarships. They don't know what's going to happen if you're going to have a season, you know? Yeah. Um, no, there's, it's worth it. Um, it, it is. Uh, um, there are always schools out there looking for players. Um, it, it's the, the Sue Inquist thing, 50, 10, 5, 50 schools across the country that you can want to go to school at, 10 of them that you have a personal connection with, and then five of them that have a personal interest in you as a softball player. Well, that list started yesterday if you're a recruit. And, you know, if you email Pat Murphy at University of Alabama and he emails you back and say, sorry, we're done with your recruiting class. Well, Alabama is no longer on your list. Now we got to go down the list to another school. You know, and, and it might be a junior college kid, you know, um, you, you might not be a division one kid, you might be a junior college kid. One of the pieces of advice that I tell parents is get an objective set of eyes on your son or daughter. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, a, a guy that I played college basketball with who um, lives in central Utah and he has a son that he's like, I don't know if he's good enough to play in, in college or not. He's a lefty pitcher. Um, and he's about six, three, six, four, maybe six, five. And he throws at mid eighties. Well, on paper, that's pretty good. You have a lefty pitcher throwing at mid eighties and he's a senior in high school and he's going to be even better. And I says, find somebody that knows college softball and have them tell you yes or no. And he actually, a, a, a common friend of ours used to be a division one pitching coach and he knows him. And I says, get him in front of Jeremy and let Jeremy watch him throw. And Jeremy will tell you, he's a Division One kid, he's a Division Two kid, he's a junior college kid, or no, he can't even play in college right now. He's going to have to do some more work to do it. But I says, and that's something that I tell parents all the time, get an objective eyes, because all of us parents think our kids are the best thing that's on the planet, right? Well, they are. <laughs> of course. But if you can, if you can have uh, people evaluate your kid and say, this is where we think your kid is right now. You know, and then you then you have something to work with. Okay, and and everything right now in all sports is measurable. The exit velocity off the bat, the pitching velocity, the overhand velocity, how fast you run home to first, all of those are measurable. So you should be able to look at your measurable numbers and say, okay, I'm at 3.1 and I need to be at 2.8 down the line. You know, so I'm not fast enough. I need to get faster if I'm going to play at the Division One level. And if not, I'm going to have to go division two division three NAI or junior college or I might not even make it you know but there's there's always players or there's always uh, programs out there looking for good players and do well academically that's that's the biggest thing I can tell you because that'll open up uh, scholarship doors that you never thought would open up well and like you said eventually sports does end in some ways and you want to be able to continue to be able to move on with life but I love the three questions that you ask your athletes what do you need who are you going to work with? Where do you need to go? Where are you going to work to be able to increase that 1% in your life? And I think that's for all of us in any area of our life. Take those tools and use them in all aspects. And we're all going to feel like we can lift up the world, right? You bet. You bet. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your help. I'm sure there's so many more things we need to learn from you. And Coach Simpsons, you're amazing. I'm excited to see what happens with your team going from D2 to D1. You said it's a big step, but maybe it's really not. You already have things in place. 
<laughs> we we hope we just hit the ground running. So it'll be it'll it's going to be a fun transition for sure. Well, I'm excited to watch it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Amy. Great to have you on. Okay, you guys, this hasn't happened before, but you know what? As soon as I pause this, Coach Simpkins just keeps going with all of his great thoughts and his great advice and his great insights. And I just want him to repeat what he just said to me in the last 30 seconds of pausing our podcast. Coach, tell us why and what you're doing and, and, and all the things you're offering. Tell us what you just told me. Yeah, we, um, we, we talked about uh, giving credit to our mentors. And one of the mentors that I had was Steve Hodson. And he, um, we, would, we would play somebody, he was a basketball coach, and we would play somebody. And if we played somebody and they would run a set play against us or an out-of-bounds play that would kick our butt and we couldn't stop it, he would steal that play and he'd put it in and we would run it. But he would call it their name. So we played Payson High and Dan Lunt. The coach at Payson High, we ran a play, a play and they had two players and they would get a good shot or a bucket or a free throw out of it every time. And we couldn't stop it, even no matter how well we tried. So we we stole it and we ran it and we called it Payson, you know, and we and Coach Hodson called up Dan and told him, hey, we're going to run your play and we're going to call it Payson. And we play you and we call Payson, you know what we're going to run. But, you know, this is but he he would do that a lot. We, we would run plays from other places that we would see. And he's like, we're going to give them credit. You know, because we didn't invent this. It's their play. So we're going to call it their play. So, but it was, it was fun. And, and we loved it. You know, we, we were like, okay, hey, we can't stop it. So we're going to use it. So. <laughs> but what better way to learn is from somebody is to take what they do so well and emulate it and then tweak it to be yours, but to give them credit for giving you the foundational tools, which is what you've done this whole podcast is, hey, so-and-so taught me this. So-and-so taught me this. I'm implementing it and it's working. And we're and just tweaking it the way it works for our team. And that's one of the, the, I'm a self-taught men's fast pitch pitcher, but the first guy that I, I played with told me, he says, go up to everybody that you watch throw and bug them, then be just the most annoying person ever. And I was this, you know, kid right out of high school trying to learn to throw men's fast pitch. And he says, you know, Steve Bowman throws a knuckleball, ask him how he throws it, you know, and Pete Meredith, one of the best pitchers on the planet, throws an excellent rise ball, ask him how he throws it, you know. And Murph McBride, the guy that I grew up playing with, threw a great curveball, and Murph taught me how to throw it. You know, so it's like you just have to be that that guy, and and then take it, and then you tweak it, and make it your own. Mm -hmm. And you always still, what I love from this whole podcast is that you keep giving credit, even to those, even though you tweaked it still, and you you could say no, now it's mine, but instead you said no, I got some foundational tools from these people, and that yeah. is giving credit to people and saying essentially thank you essentially, yeah. is one of the, I think for athletes especially, one of the best ways to feel, uh, like rewards come back to you in, in very um, slight ways that are profound. And doors open up when you can say, hey, I still appreciate this person. And it just yeah. opens up doors when you bug people. They love to be in some ways bugged, like these guys really think I'm cool, right? <laughs> yeah. People ask me, how did, how did I end up to be a, a college basketball player from a small school? And uh, the last person I'm going to give credit was Art Hall. Um, he was the basketball coach when I was in sixth grade. And he told me, he says, if you practice two hours a day um, until you get to high school, you'll start every game your junior and senior year. And there was like oxygen and then Coach Hall. You know, so I had a basketball, I was fortunate enough to have a basketball hoop in my backyard. And I seriously would think I have to be out here for two hours, 
you know, that's my, that's my standard. But, you know, it's the old Larry Bird thing. When you're out there practicing and somebody else isn't, you're going to beat them because you put in the time, you know. But Coach Hall was the, the two hours a day. And guess what? I started every game my junior and senior year. So, but it, it's just little things. But just like you said, you know, little things that you say have a profound effect on somebody. He probably has no idea that what he said that one night had that much of an effect on me, but it did. You know, and I asked the girls on our hike the other day, what's one piece of advice that somebody has told you that's resonated with you for the entire, you know, when you were a little kid up to now? And it made them think a little bit, and, and they all had, you know, something. Mm. Man, we haven't even gotten really into your, um, your competitive days. One of these days, we need to get you on <laughs> just to talk about you as an athlete, because I'm sure you've got, but thank you. I'm glad we popped back on, because this is just amazing to me for everybody to hear that we don't take credit for everything that we've created. There's just no reason to, and there's, there's no embarrassment to give somebody else credit. All it does is build everybody up. So yeah, I'm grateful for, sure. for all those people that you reference, and thank you to all those people who just made this podcast so much better for all of us. Appreciate Thanks, you. <laughs> Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.